This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Coda listeners. You are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. I am your host, Julia Caulfield from the news team, and this evening we're talking school the next school year which is coming up we just determined y'all are sitting in correct order of two weeks three weeks four weeks <laughs> from your respective school years starting we have todd bittner the superintendent of the norwood school district john pandolfo superintendent of the telluride school district and andy Schaff, head of school for the telluride mountain school thank you all so much for being here this evening thanks for having us thank you um starting off with that big question how do you feel about school starting in a month or less for every single one of you? I, I, I guess I'll, I'll start off. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it. We have some just some really cool things that are going on. Um, we, uh, we have uh, great opportunities with our school year. We're going to be doing some creative and interesting things about climate and culture. Kids have to be happy when they're in school. They have to enjoy it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a great time this year. So I'm, we're ready to get going. That's good. It's good to feel that way. John, what about you? Uh, I'll just say, you know, you hit the beginning of August. It's always an interesting time of year because we have kind of our punch list for the summer of all the things we want to do. We leave the school year on really usually a high note. Um, and then you get a little bit of this sense of, oh, my gosh, it's coming and it's coming soon. And did I is everything ready? And But we've had some great conversations over the summer i think we've made some good progress and as todd said you know we're excited for a lot of the stuff that we have in the coming school year and as always there's a lot going on yeah andy so uh, you know i'm in the lucky position of being four weeks out instead of three or two um but i just came back from a professional development opportunity uh focused on outdoor ed and belonging and it puts me in personally a really great place the school's in a great place we have a new playground coming in and they poured the concrete slab for the kids uh, strider bike path today uh, we have Telluride Academy in our building and it brought the life back into the building which is always exciting when you hear kids so I'm excited personally I'm excited uh, for the kids uh, and the building is exciting too yeah you know I think that um, most of us have a pretty decent grasp maybe on what teachers do within our schools and districts we've mostly probably all been in a classroom at some point in our life. Um, but just, you know, before we kind of get going in on, on what each uh, school and district has happening this year, can you talk a little bit about, like, what do you as superintendent, as head of a of the school, what do y'all, what do you do? What is your job? And what brought you into education and kind of the administrative side of education to begin with? You want to go first? <laughs> no, I'll, 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 I'll take it. Well, for me, um, I, I found myself in a career malaise and I worked at a district attorney's office I dealt with every kid that committed a crime 99.9% .9 of them just made mistakes it gave me what you would think the exact opposite faith in kids but I wanted to be around it more that's what got me into education you know and being a superintendent was kind of like the very end piece you know where I'm really trying to create a climate and culture that reflects all of the challenges that I've had in my life and all of those opportunities to succeed. I'm hoping to be able to impart that on my school. And so we have, we've, we've hired folks that are enthusiastic, that are exciting. And, and like uh, Andy said, when kids are in the building, it's, it's, it's what gets us through the day. You know, during the summers, superintendents and these guys will talk about, you know, we're worrying about facilities. We're worrying about how do we make sure our teachers have everything that they need. Are the kids safe? You know, you know, school safety is one of the things we'll talk about that later. But, you know, it's one of those situations in which um, I personally, as a superintendent, deal with, you know, the, the finance piece. I deal with making sure the money is where it needs to be, making sure our board's informed, making sure our community's informed. Because I'm here at the behest of, of the school board and of my community. And it, it's the teachers and, and the students that I need to do my work for. It's really hard to do that on a day-to-day -day basis during the school year because things are happening all of the time. Summer gives us the opportunity 
to really get some of that foundational work done. Yeah. So I'll say, um, you know, I, I worked through my 20s as an engineer in the corporate world and ended up more or less over the course of a weekend walking into a classroom and becoming a high school math teacher and never looked back and did that for almost 20 years and now I've been over 10 years as as an administrator and you know I felt like my job as a teacher was to take care of my kids and um, challenging as it was to make my kids help my kids love math some of them did but my goal was for every one of them and one of my students who graduated wrote on the back of her graduation picture that she gave to me, Mr. P, I still don't love math, but at least I don't hate it anymore. <laughs> so I took that as a level of um, whatever you want to call it, like doing what I needed to do. And I think, you know, teachers' jobs are to take care of kids. Building administrators' jobs are really to take care of teachers, you know, and to take care of kids and I see my job as both of those things and taking care of my administrators because all the jobs are very demanding but what happens in the classroom that connection between teachers and students is really um, you know the essential part of what school systems are all about and as Todd said we got to wear an awful lot of hats all three of us pay attention to a lot of different things sometimes I feel like boy I just wish I could be in the classroom again because then you really are at the essence of what's going on but um, you know I do feel like I moved into administration because I felt like I could have a broader impact and saw how big the job is and what needs to get done and really just wanted to help get it done and make schools be successful so if I do some quick math John uh, this is my 46th start to a school year. So I came into education as, as a teacher, ground floor, right after uh, finishing uh, my undergrad. And I had all those years of starting school as a student. And in fact, I started pretty early in uh, preschool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's allowed me to, to grow and see uh, all the different uh, aspects of education and of schooling. And I've come to see my role now as... Uh, creating the environment where curiosity and learning and growth can happen. And that happens by uh, working individually with students, uh, less so in the classroom, although I still relish those opportunities to get in, uh, more so with the teachers, um, coaching coaches, if you will. And then also my work with with the board, um, and be it in governance or in fundraising or all the other capacities that, that as superintendents or heads of school we have to attend to that feel less educational um, they really are creating that environment for for learning to happen so my role is creating that environment from from ground floor up uh, and, and I I love every aspect of that um, as a head of school yeah um, I'm hoping that we don't have to dwell on this subject for too long. It's going to be the only question that I have that even mentioned the name. Um, but this is, I feel like, the first school year, maybe last year a little bit as well, but definitely the, the first school year where it's like COVID thoughts are not necessarily in the picture, but maybe I'm wrong, so please correct me if that is fully incorrect. Um, but I guess more thinking of it rather than like the nuts and bolts of how COVID is impacting what our day-to-day school year looks like. You know, we are now seeing and um, experiencing that children who had really tumultuous several years of their education are now kind of figuring out how to come back into that space and learning metrics and things like that are are shifting because of um, loss of learning that happened. How do you think about... um, tackling those challenges of, you know, making sure that kids are up to speed of where they need to be in math and writing or any of those sorts of things. And how does that then that impact the way that you're thinking about, you know, this school year kind of coming out of that still? John, let's start with you. I'm going to mix it up. (laughs) I think it's safe to say that everyone is still impacted, but in different ways. And that for, for me, the way I think about addressing your question is um, we need a strong, what we 
call and educational buzzword multi-tiered system of supports to really be able to meet every student where they are. So we have more supports than we had in place prior to COVID, um, social emotional supports as well as academic supports. And what we really need to do is pay attention to what our students needs. Because if you think about a second grader how their life was disrupted um, it's different than how a middle schooler or someone who is about to graduate this year and and all of them have been impacted in some way and our job all along the way has been to minimize that impact address that impact not ignore that impact and um, it's hard to say whether this at the end of this year we can say differently than at the end of last year um, how those impacts are still lingering and, and what that what those long-term effects are. Yeah, that resonates a lot uh, to say it's post-COVID. It doesn't quite feel uh, accurate or to say COVID's over. Uh, but uh, to be in the place where we can really be forward-looking and looking into how we create that environment that brings full learning back for everybody um, or or what we do uh, in in student support for it for example at the mountain school last year we hired a full-time learning specialist for the first time ever and this year we've hired a full-time school counselor we found that the kids really benefit from that uh, that probably would have been good before covid but it's uh, more important now um, than ever before um, so we're making those moves. Uh, we're excited to be able to do that, to be in that place. Uh, and we're, we're hopeful that um, we'll, we'll have a student body and, and a faculty that feels fully supported when they're coming to school and is ready to, to drive forward in, in our new world and focus on a lot of the positives. Uh, one of our themes for this year is, is showing students uh, exposing students to awe and allowing them to discover beauty and goodness. Uh, for the last couple of years, it's been harder to focus on that, uh, focus more on uh, sustaining than in, in beauty. So that's one of the ways that we're approaching it this year. Yeah. Todd? Pass. No. <laughs> that is not an option. <laughs> no. We, so so uh, I'm going to look at this differently. Uh, 2020 and 2021, exacerbated problems prior to 20 and 21. Mm -hmm. COVID just amplified issues within kids and with schools. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is that what we have happening is kids are disconnected. They're disconnected from each other. They're dis disconnected from their families, from their communities, from their school. Getting students to participate in any activity at all is a challenge. Getting them involved with each other outside the construct of their cell phones and we can talk about cell phones for a long time but 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 the bottom line is is that uh 2020 and 2021 created a petri dish within the nation of of looking at this disconnected place and what we're trying to do is we're trying to back off on just doing things the way we used to do them and now what we're going to do is we're going to do things better we're going to create climate environments in which kids can thrive and that's the challenge that we have. It has nothing to do with 2021. And Julie, if I could add one more thing, I think it's that the world is not gonna be the same. We can talk about the new normal getting back to normal. Education is not the same. We People had to make adjustments that we never thought we would need to make, kind of as, as Todd said. And so what we have to do is continue to learn how to adjust to that and um, look at what students really need and find ways to meet those needs. Yeah. Um, Coda listeners, you're tuned in to Off the Record. We're talking education kind of in general at this point and the 2023-2024 school year with Todd Bittner, John Pandolfo, and Andy Schaff, heads of schools and school districts as superintendents in Telluride and Norwood. Um, we haven't even asked this question yet, but what are you looking forward to for this school year that's starting imminently todd we'll go to you first because your school you're starting the first it is in we, just two weeks we're two weeks from tomorrow we get rocking and rolling and what's cool about that is that you know 
we sent some staff members and our principal Sam Ryan went to a program in Atlanta called the Ron Clark Academy and it really creates an inclusive school kindergarten through 12 it creates these passionate ways of having mentorships coordinated through 12th graders to kindergartners because when you have small rural school districts such as ours we have great opportunity to create a forward movement through each other's support of each other. And so we're getting ready to implement this. Our custodial staff, our facilities, our, our administrators, our students, our teachers are getting ready and amped up to create a thrilling school year that involves community and mentorship. You know, we can talk about, you know, we're an academic institution. We're an institution that's going to try our best to perform as best we can. But we need to do it in a positive way. And there's so many negative things that are hitting our kids and so many things that are that are hard for our kids to overcome. We're reaching out to create a great new system within our school system. So we're absolutely thrilled. Plus, we got some great new teachers that are enthusiastic and that are energetic about their subject areas. And, uh, and so it's, uh, we, we're out of our skin, if you can't tell. That's amazing. John, let's go to you, because tell your ride starting second. Yep. So three weeks from today, we'll have our students back. And I think, you know, what one of my principals said to me is that, you know, summer is hard because we're kind of here by ourselves. And I so look forward to getting my teachers back into the building. I so look forward to getting our students back into the building. It just brings a level of energy. We've had a lot of people in our buildings over the summer, on our roof, renters um, of our facilities. But it's a very different thing than when we just have, again, that vibrancy that, that is the essence of what we do. So greatly looking forward to that. We are rolling out, just going down to kind of those, the three R's really, um, a new literacy curriculum that our staff has worked really hard over the past year at um, researching, identifying, you know, doing needs assessments, everything else. That's going to be at our elementary school and our intermediate school. Um, we're rolling up our dual immersion program into high school for the first time. So that's really exciting. Um, along that literacy vein, we have, uh, we've kind of changed how we're approaching things with literacy intervention in the high school. So there's kind of a fresh look at that. Um, and we have a new, in terms of meeting students' needs and making the adjustments I was referring to, we have a new alternative program starting um, for the upper grades in the high school called the Minor School, um, run by Dan Bergstrom Noel. And we're just greatly looking forward to that. It's going to serve 12 students in its first year. We anticipate and certainly hope for growth in that. But it's a way to really help identify what really moves some students and help them kind of achieve that and focus on that and find those alternate ways to have them um, address the kind of as Todd said the the academic piece but really try to meet their needs perfect Andy well as four as weeks from today four <laughs> weeks yeah we're four <laughs> weeks from today uh, we have a great opening day where all of our students uh, get to know each other the entire school uh, uh, about 120 students um, we run into the building and we have uh, an opening meeting and then we have a series of orientation activities where big kids partner with little kids and you meet your new classmates and all the new teachers it's a really special day fires up the year i look forward to that every year uh, and i really am this year although of course i'm a little nervous about uh, how we get from now to then and um, that first meeting is a lot on all of us too but um, once we get that rolling um, for the first time we're going to do an overnight retreat for our high school kids uh, in the first week of school we're going up to the high camp hut and we're focusing on uh, student uh, wellness and the building a toolkit for high school and so we'll have a two-night overnight with the high school kids that'll be uh, really exciting and, and new I'm looking forward to that and on that we have a we're rolling out a new ninth grade focus program um, we feel that ninth grade is a year that's often missed in other schools and there's tremendous opportunity uh, so often we're focusing on our seniors and um, AP scores and all that but um, ninth grade we're focusing on on the leadership opportunities that happen and building the toolkit to thrive in the rest of high school and that'll have more cross-curricular learning than we've done in the past 
uh, more project-based learning, uh, a greater focus on leadership. So we're really excited uh, to roll out that program and then see how that infuses the rest of the school because those ninth graders will be taking a more active leadership role, uh, not just in the high school, but throughout the entire school. So we're excited about that. Uh, and then a new playground in the Montessori. I mean, what could be better than coming back to school and seeing new play equipment? Um, and, and the teachers are really excited about that too because it's going to be taking care of some of some of the mess that our playground has created. Play is messy, that's okay. But this will be a little bit better uh, for those kids. And then we have new outdoor play and learning spaces that we're working on. Um, up in our woods and kids are really excited about that i'm really excited about that and uh, something to look forward to as as the year builds yeah i got a new playground when i was in elementary school memorable a memorable and i will actually say for a negative way and because we had like old school wooden playground that i'm sure it was very great for them to get rid of because we all got splinters but then they had like plastic and we all loved like oh we want the wooden playground back. So, so just to let you know, we, the, we did a big design activity with the students, and there was a sense of, please don't make everything so shiny and new. We love and loved the fact that you know we do get dirty. Um, so we're making sure we do keep some of the old uh, and some of that authentic and and uh, acceptable risk yeah, in play totally. too. Um, you know, you've all just spoken to kind of specific to your uh, school and district. But we live in a really small community region where throughout all of the schools, you have students who are living in the same community or on same sports teams, even if they don't go to the same school, all of that. So I would love to hear from all of you and definitely jump in on one of each other um, in this question. But how do you see um, the collaboration between the work that y'all do as, as heads of these districts and schools, but also how do these schools and school districts work together recognizing that yes we're individuals schools and communities but also we're so connected in so many ways as well you know i'm going to jump in right away just only because uh you know john has been has been so welcoming for me and kind of really kind of helping me through community relation pieces and he's asked me to be on some different committees but outside of that you know we we can sometimes kids will go from Norwood to Telluride, from Telluride to Norwood. It's nothing for he and I to send an email chain back and forth or phone calls back and forth or having staff talk to each other about what the kids' needs are. You know, there's there has to be a symbiotic relationship when you're in an area such as this, you know. Um, you know, I'm going to relate a little bit that back to, you know, your first question about superintendencies. You know, the expectations for for the gentlemen that are here are the same for the Denver superintendent, the Jeffco superintendent, or superintendents in these large school districts. We have those same expectations as far as managing our systems without any of the supports. And one of the things that I think probably we do a lot more than a lot of other superintendents is that we get down in the weeds sometimes because we have to. And trying to work on those systems and to make sure that we are working in a partnership because in the end it's about that partnership that allows kids to be transparent back and forth you know of course for me personally I'd love to steal some of the kids that are going to tell you ride you know because a lot of them do and and it's one of those things that that it's it's not a competition between John and I because it's about the best interest of the kids but the fact of the matter is is that we do have conversations, we do talk, and we sit on boards and panels that are in the best interest of all kids in San Miguel County, not just specifically. Today's the first day I've met Andy, but he's making it really attractive for me to go up and take a look at his school and see what they're doing up there. Yeah. Well, let me dive in on that. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we are all focused on the education of youth in, in San Miguel County, the, the greater Telluride, Norwood region, um, and we do swap kids. Uh, we swap teachers sometimes, and then sometimes we get together and, and, and swap stories and lies, which is something that I appreciate. Um, to Todd's point, we're really far from a lot of other schools, and so we play well together and appreciate each other uh, and our programs for the four commonalities and then for our differences uh, and, and where the programs have strengths um, in, in different areas and where we can learn from each other. Uh, but knowing um, that we're all playing on the same team, which is education of youth in the region. Yeah. And I'll start by saying um, we, could, we could absolutely always collaborate more, and I think we would all like to do that. And there's a lot of reasons that we could give, but in the end, it's, you know, it's up to us to make that happen. 
Um, you know, I work closely with Todd as well as on some of those committees that we talked about um, through our Board of Cooperative Education Services, the Uncompagre BOCES that's based in Ridgeway. And so we have a pretty tight-knit group of superintendents because we are a small district there. And we look at what can we do together better than we can do separate to meet the needs of the students. And it's not everything, but it's some stuff. So I feel like in my, you know, three-plus years now, um, in Telluride, we've made a lot of strides in how we can work together in that way. Certainly with Andy have just had collaborative conversations about things, but, you know, ways we can improve on that. I think about, for example, the behavioral, social, emotional supports that we've put in place and that we're all at some level growing in that way. And when we can get those folks to collaborate together of which a little bit of that happens but we can do more you know whenever we can whenever we can offer collaborative efforts for our staff that also goes an awful long way because they have so much to share with each other and learn from each other and everybody can do better when they kind of have that ability and sometimes we're just like talking each other to say dude you know you won't believe what happened today kind of thing like just some of the stuff we have to deal with on a on a daily basis so there's also that camaraderie because um when you're a teacher in a building you've got a lot of other folks around you that end up being your support group and while i think i could say my support group is a lot of the folks my board my administration my teachers whatever um when people are walking in the very same shoes you're walking in, they can really understand. So for me, that just goes a long way, sitting in the same room with these two great guys. Yeah. Um, John, you just mentioned some social-emotional type stuff for students. And obviously, um, I think many parents and community members in who are listening will, will know that the Healthy Kids Colorado survey data came out last year and had some maybe some startling um, results for kiddos in the region both in great that there's a lot of protective factors that students are feeling like trusted adults that they can go to and the like but there was also some um maybe more um stomach turning results um in terms of bullying or substance use or, or whatever that might be um recognizing there's no silver bullet there's no just like quick fix on any of these things but um heading into this new school year, what are some of the things that y'all are thinking about or putting in place um, to, to maybe help some of those um, numbers go down in the less positive ones or just to make sure that students are able to um, live their healthiest, both physically and emotional lives in this next school year? Yeah, I mean, you got to attack it and you can't ignore it. And it's hard to put your resources everywhere at once, but I think we've made the determination that the, that social emotional health of our students is super important. We've got a position that's not filled at this point, but that is, you know, state grant funded for a bilingual, um, you know, licensed professional counselor to help support some of our students. So that's one area we're looking to put more and more programs in place and bolster the programs that we've had, and really just again prop up our staff who really. Um, you know deal with a lot of that so you know those are some of the things we're really trying to do and when you can bring when you can engage and bring joy into students which is what both of these guys started with and really help them feel that joy then that's the biggest part of it so some of it is everything you do has to be focused on you know bringing students up and some of it is targeting the in the specific ways that you can and I think some of the stuff that we we've done has been helpful but it does feel like an uphill battle sometimes well stated John uh, one of the things that we're coming as some of our language that we're working on is belonging and boundaries and um, kids need to feel that they belong in their school in their community uh, we need to build that sense of belonging and so we're leaning in on that and belonging feels most complete when you know where the boundaries are and when you've crossed those uh, and kids 
uh, it's almost their imperative, their job to learn where those boundaries are, and sometimes they cross those boundaries. Uh, and then it's our job as educators to to set up some some guardrails and then make it really clear when they've crossed those boundaries uh, and and guide them through that process. So boundaries and belonging. And then I had expressed that we, we've hired a school counselor and we're leaning in in those, those same ways. Somebody to oversee the direction of, of social-emotional learning for the entire school. Uh, we haven't had that in the past, uh, and and this is a really important opportunity. Uh, and we can talk about mental health and some of the things that, that we're doing. Uh, the town is also really doing some, some fantastic work around that um, that we're able to benefit from. Uh, so I do want to highlight that we, we are hiring a school counselor with support from from a Chi County grant, and we're we're really appreciative of that. You know, we're, we we hired last year. We hired a um, a social worker to work um, in in partnership with the, the West End School District, and we knew that one wasn't enough, and and we're we're figuring out how to exponentially increase that. We've also purchased some healthy relationship curriculum, try to get um, get to some of the heart of some of the concerning things that are happening with our kids today. Um, and and mental health is a is is a daily fight, not just for our kids but for our kids' families. Um, part of the reason of bringing a social worker in is to provide some systems of support for our families too. It is very hard to be a family member and a parent, um, and it's very hard to be a parent that is a grandchild, or or you're taking care of an uh, a a sister's or a brother's child. This is a this is not just a a San Miguel County issue. This is an issue that is absolutely pervasive throughout the country, and dealing with the the effects of that in our communities can be overwhelming for our families, for our schools. Our teachers like to teach. If you're a math teacher, you like to teach math. But sometimes that's hard when you've got a despondent kid in the classroom. They're acting out because there's a reason. Our teachers have become mental health workers. They've become social workers. And we need to provide the services and supports to be able to help those families. Because you know what? If we help those families, those kids are going to feel that. And they're going to know it's there. Um, our social worker has done unbelievable work. Um, our, our administration, our staff, and just with these guys here talking about, this is something you can't ignore. And, and it's real and it's in front of us. And I think each one of us are taking our hits at it to make sure that our kids getting the supports that they need. Yeah. Uh, Koto listeners, you are tuned into Off the Record. We're talking about education and the school year coming up with Todd Bittner, John Pandolfo, and Andy Schaff, who are the heads of their respective Norwood, Telluride, and Mountain School. Um, you, you've you touched on it in some ways, and this might be more of a question, Andy, unless you have things to share with us, um, about, you know, hiring new staff or getting curriculum and things like all of these things cost money um, and both the Norwood School District and the Telluride School District are planning to put ballot measures uh, before voters this fall um, about funding maybe not for those roles specifically but um, I would just love to hear from both of you what are these bond measures uh, talking about what are you looking to go to the communities asking for when it comes to financial help well, I think I'm probably less complicated than than Mr. Pandolfo is, but um, story in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 uh, for the uh, for the for the Norwood Public Schools, we have a building that was built in 1968. We have a building that was built in 1958, and we have another building that was put up with temporary materials. Um, we have a building that has a tremendous amount of asbestos in it, and it's literally falling in around our ears. Um, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, bond measures were passed to help support the schools, and that's what we're doing in this instance. We have an opportunity to put a new building together, uh, a K-12, which is going to provide safer access. I've got 27 entrances and exits to my building. 
27 entrances and exits in which it's impossible for us to monitor all of the time. We have rain coming in our building in multiple classrooms. Um, these are real instances, and we're coming to the voters to ask them, hey, listen, um, we put in a, a best application for a grant within the state. We're asking that if you give us 6%, they're going to give us the rest. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is a large dollar um, opportunity. We're asking a lot of our voters. We're asking for sacrifices that I know are hard for our voters. But in the long run, we want the community to have a facility to be able to utilize for our funerals, for our community events. We want it to be used over and over again because we are here as a community. And the only way for us to do that is through a bond measure. And it's very hard for us to do that. It was a very hard decision for our board to make. But in the long run, we have an opportunity to do what generations ago did, you know, through the unity of our community and trying to bring things together like our communities did 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's now our time for our communities to come together and to provide that opportunity for our school. And would that new school go on the same footprint? Would it be built elsewhere? Would it, it be it remodels would, too? It would not. We're working with the the town of Norwood. There's some acreage that um, we're looking to close on sometime, hopefully within the next few weeks. Um, and it would be an entirely new footprint. Part of the problem is, is that the footprint we're currently on is eight acres. We can't make a safe facility within those eight acres. We can't meet the requirements that are building required today. Um, our current school building can't even be repaired because we can't meet any of the safety standards that are required. That's what part of this this challenge is. Just for our building alone, to demo our building, it's going to cost over $5 million to abate the asbestos. $5 million just to abate the asbestos. That doesn't include the actual demolition of the buildings. These are the kind of complex issues we're trying to deal with. So, so no, it would be going on an entirely different facility. Got it. John, we'll go to you. I'm not sure that's that much less complicated than what we're dealing with, Todd. <laughs> it sounds complicated. Um, you know, we have been very fortunate in Telluride to have the support of the community in the past. You know, within the last 10-ish years, we've added a new wing on our building. Um, we also had a mill every override to kind of support our operating costs. So we're, we're very grateful for that. And it is a tough time right now. Um, there's a lot of asks going on. Uh, the assessed valuation issue that's hit the state really has an impact. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that educational funding in Colorado is near the bottom of the country, um, where while the cost of living is not. And we really believe that maintaining our facilities and keeping them in good order is a much wiser investment for this community than deferring a lot of that maintenance and then you know having to deal with it down the road so that's kind of where we're at right now i think first and foremost if you add on top of that the challenges that we have with hiring and the challenges of our own staff um, with the salaries that they make to be able to afford to live in this community so you know, more than 50% of what we're considering is would be will be geared towards increased workforce housing. We currently own 15 units. That's about enough to house 10% of our staff. We're looking to bring that up to close to uh, the ability to house about a third of our staff, and um, that's that's a big undertaking and a big ask right there. But I think we've we can see the path and we know what we need to do to make that happen. And we've had a lot of collaborative discussions, partnerships on, you know, how to move that forward. We also have um, been fortunate. We did not get a best grant that we sought, and it would have been a much smaller contribution than, you know, what Norwood is able to get for a state contribution. But we had deferred um, our replacing a roof and had a lot of the same issues that Todd was talking about. And so, you know, we've basically drained our capital fund in order to get that much done. With, uh, um, with a DOLA grant that we received, we're working on getting solar on the roof kind of as we speak. Um, but all that stuff needs to be paid for. And 
what we can do is if we can move forward with a bond, we will be able to take care of our capital needs with capital funds and not have to use our operating funds because when we have to use our operating funds for our capital needs, then that money really comes out of students and staff and that um, isn't the way that we want to educate kids and it's it's really again related to how educational funding works in Colorado. Andy, is there anything you wanted to add on that? Yeah, I do. Go like, uh, on. <laughs> I, I want to add that, that there's no better investment a community can make than an education. If you're investing in your kids or your community, the best investment you could make is in education. Uh, if you have facilities that are working, the next best uh, investment that that could be in education is in your staff. So hearing these guys, they need work on facility and then they need to be able to take care of their staff. That's um, the best investment that we as a community could make. Uh, we're not immune to that. We have different uh, pathways to funding, obviously, uh, but uh, absolutely supporting that, that concept of investing in education uh, supports our larger community, not just the immediate kids. Yeah. Um, kind of keeping on the concept of ballot measures, I'm going to go to John on this one, which feel free to bop in on as, as you'd like as well. Um, let's just touch on RICO detachment and annexation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, folks can listen back. We've had whole programs on this issue earlier in the year on Off the Record. Um, but the school district is both school districts with um, are discussing bringing the town of Rico into the Telluride school district. Can you give a, a little update on what's going on with that? Where are we? What are people going to be voting on? Will they be voting on anything? What's happening? Sure. I'll try to do it and I'll say 60 seconds or less, but you know, that's hard for me. I don't um, fully trust you'll be able to do that. <laughs> so what I would say is people get can get all the information they want on kidsofrico.com website created by the planning committee Uh, we do have an approved plan of organization through the commissioner of education the committee met um, last week and set on a a date to put a ballot measure you know to to put something on the ballot in November so all that work is in progress we do have upcoming community forums to explain the final plan and any changes we made in revisions and then um, we you know the ballot measure has to be certified in the timeline by early September to the uh, the various county clerks and we move forward from there so I think the um, the public can expect to see more information. We do have another kind of postcard, informational postcard coming out, but all that information is on the, the website. And I think, you know, that's the logistics of it, going back to the why and the philosophy. Um, we have students who are coming from RICO, have been coming from RICO for a long time. Their own home school is an hour and a half from where they live. It's just not feasible. Their families come to Telluride. This is where they need to come to school. This is for those kids. Um, and, you know, we don't, they don't have a guarantee to come to school in Telluride if this doesn't happen. So this gives them the guarantee that they need. That was pretty succinct for a very complicated topic. Um, You know, obviously, the beginning of school year comes with a lot of excitement and joy. I remember getting to go back to school shopping. I was actually in the store the other day and saw kids, like, picking out their markers and things, and I got really jealous because I was like, I loved getting to do that. You can still do it if you want. I know. I should. I really should just, like, you know, put some money in a piggy bank and go marker shopping. Um, But... With all the excitement and joy, y'all have also kind of danced around it. There's challenges and hardships for the beginning of a school year as well. What are some of the things that you are um, seeing as challenges for this school year coming up or maybe growth opportunities if we want to put a a nicer spin on it? But um, things that that you're feeling like this is stuff that our school district or our school needs to work on that is going to be maybe a little bit of a tougher one for us this year. You know, I have a tendency to um, look at things so positively, and 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 maybe it's a personality flaw. I don't know, um, but I will say that um, I'm really looking at all the opportunities. I, I, I really, it's just the way my brain works. I, I mean, yes, we we need to improve our math scores. 
absolutely positively. We're doing some very innovative things with our with our math programs, and we're going to see those numbers skyrocket. You know, I have anxiety about uh, about how the school year is going to go for me, as far as the building is concerned. I have very limited resources, and so you know, for me, um, I lose sleep over school safety. I lose sleep over the conditions of my facility, the health and welfare of my staff, making sure that my staff is going to be able to pay for meals, to be able to stay within my community. I mean, these are things that I genuinely lose sleep over. Um, and and making sure that during this tumultuous time when we're going to be dealing with this bond issue, that we remember that the kids are the focus and we remember to be kind to each other. And that's a warm fuzzy and all of that. And, and I get that and I understand that. But the bottom line is, is kindness is free and and being kind first. And we can, we can talk about all of the differences that we have on the planet, and we can be passionate about these subjects. But the fact of the matter is that when you talk about what am I concerned about, I'm concerned about the lack of kindness, the lack of respect for one another. And those things I genuinely lose sleep over. What I don't lose sleep over is my community. Right. Todd, a lot of that resonates. Uh, we do lose sleep over those things. Um, and, and yet there are pathways and there are opportunities and challenges and, and we're up for those. Um, kind, kindness above all else, be kind uh, for sure. Uh, again, I don't worry about that, but we lose sleep when kids aren't kind or, or when adults aren't kind. Uh, we have this year uh, our reaccreditation self-study process, which is a massive amount of work. Uh, it's a very good process. It's a very inclusive process. We reach out to all members of our school community. Teachers lead a lot of it. The board's involved, and it's a self-study. Um, so we get to identify our strengths and our weaknesses in areas we want to work on. That's, uh, that's exciting. It's not something that I'm nervous about. However, I am nervous about the amount of work that it takes and um, want to make sure it doesn't distract us from those other goals, which are, you know, uh, more important in a lot of ways of building that that great learning culture of curiosity and joy. Uh, so I'm a little like, okay, this is going to be a lot of work. Um, I, the team's up for it. We're up for it. Um, it's good. But it's, you know, when June comes and that process is done, um, it'll feel good. Yeah. John? Um, I'll go on the theme of challenges and opportunities a little bit because I think we've seen some great challenges turn and, you know, be looked at as opportunities. But I think the biggest challenge that I have right now, in addition to how's everything going to get done before students walk in the door, is um, some key unfilled positions. I'm waiting on a phone call in one position tonight. I'm waiting on another phone call tomorrow, looking at another interview tomorrow. Um, we have been fortunate the last few years with you know the i'll say the national statewide regional trend to um, not even be able to fill positions um, and we've we've kind of made it through that i think this year it, it is hitting us so that's the thing i'm losing the most sleep over right now um, the school safety that todd mentioned is always something that's on all of our minds and you know one of the things we are doing is um, on one of our in-service days in the morning we're working with county emergency folks, um, our, our law enforcement, whatever else, and without students present, we're doing a reunification drill within our school. So that's a big thing. It's taken a ton of preparation. When you ask what are all those things that we do, that is not as fun for me as walking around through math classrooms or you know any other classrooms, but it is something that we have to attend to. So while I'm excited to do that, it also, um, it, it's a serious thing. You know, in terms of opportunities, um, parking has been one of our challenges, and uh, we have an entrepreneurship program. And we had a student who took that on as her challenge and opportunity, and came to us with a proposal of how we could do things differently to keep students closer to campus, parking safely, all that. She's approached the town to help get some neighborhood parking permits for students in the town limited so during the school day when you know residents may not need it as much and she came to us with a proposal of how we could restructure who parks where and so students are going to have a new place to park on campus they're going to get the ones that get 
parking spots, dedicated spots, and they're going to get to decorate them themselves. So that's something like I'm excited for to see that kind of change. We have another student in that same program who identified a challenge that, that a lot of our students have, not just high school students, but even recent graduates of um, they want a place to work out and this the workout places in this town are not always priced to make that easy for a lot of our students. So um, we had a proposal to man our weight room for the summer. We weren't able to put that in place for this summer because of the roof construction. And we actually had things kind of, as Todd said, falling through the roof. So it's a good thing people weren't in some of those places. But next summer, um, we should have that up and running where um, we're, as Todd said, we're using our, our school facilities as a community facility in a lot of ways. So those are some of the things that we're really feeling like are opportunities. On the student engagement front, our principal reached out to a lot of her staff and said, come up with some engaging electives for students to be able to use to help get them so they want to be coming to classes and you know some of them like the traditional electives let's say but some of the things we're starting we're going to have a climbing elective we're going to have a um, personal finance elective we're going to have a child psychology elective we're going to have an outdoor ed elective so that's kind of a sample of again looking at taking those challenges and turning them into opportunities amazing um I definitely don't want this to be the note that we end on, but um, y'all have mentioned it. When it comes to safety in our school, um, it's not something that I don't think anybody likes to acknowledge that we have to think about and worry about. Um, but violence in schools and shootings in schools is a reality in our in our country. And I guess I, I'm more curious from the um, how you approach that as educator side. Obviously, there's keeping your buildings as safe as you can. Both the Norwood and the Telluride School District have school resource officers who are um, in the schools. But, you know, and, and then from the, but from the mental health side more and as the educator side, how do you think about that working with young people who are going into schools, a place that should be a very safe place for them to be um, when it isn't always the case for students across this country? That's hard. <laughs> that's a... That, that's a, that's we, a <laughs> We're nearing the end of our time. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's a that's a tough tough question. But I think we've all mentioned it. It's about climate and culture. You know, at 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 Norwood, um, it is a small school, and and one of the things that I've done as an administrator for twenty years is I stand at the front door and I welcome every kid. When I was a teacher, when I was a principal, and now as a superintendent, good morning. Because you know what, that may be the only good morning that child ever gets. Um, how are you doing? You know. And when kids come walking in, you can tell right away whether they've had a crappy day or they haven't had a crappy day. And making sure that you set time aside with your teachers and your kids that when you see a kid who looks off, act upon your instincts. Human beings are the only ones that fight their instincts. If something doesn't feel right, talk to them. Welcome them into the school. Make sure their day starts well. And make sure when you see aberrant behavior, your teachers see aberrant behavior, anyone that they have a safe place to have that conversation. That's where it all starts. I mean, we've got a phenomenal partnership, like you said, with the San Miguel Sheriff's Office. We've got great things in place as far as safety and security, but that's not where it starts. It starts with the kids when they're walking in the building and how they're feeling about their peers and how they're feeling about the world around them. That's where it all starts. Yeah, and I was gonna say, very similar, um, it's about relationships. And it's about relationships with students. It's about relationships with families. You know, it's about staff, you know, doing the work and being an educator is not just teaching math. It is having relationships with students and, you know, helping everybody understand how much we care. And, you know, that's why people come into the building as staff every day because they care and they want to do that. Um, you know, we've got a fantastic school resource officer who really exemplifies that relationship piece, but it but it really is each and every person, and um, including our uh, the folks who greet the students when they walk in the door in the morning, whether it's the administrator standing outside, whether it's the office staff right there. Um, it's just you know it it's it's what we're here for. We talk a lot uh, about having a a school where every student is known and loved, and I use that term love. Uh, it's really, really important that we acknowledge that and that we have that environment, that culture, 
Um, it is greeting them at the door. It's knowing every kid. It's connecting with every kid. And it's all of our jobs. It's not just the school safety person or the resource officer or the superintendent or head of school. It's every one of our jobs in the school to maintain that environment. That's the start. That's the foundation of good school safety. That's not to say it's everything, right? Uh, we do have to be mindful of, of uh, the highly improbable situations of, of school violence um, and be prepared and have uh, measures in place but it really starts with the school community uh, where where every kid is known and loved and you know you talked about it a little bit Julia and Andy mentioned it and Todd touched on it in a different way but this whole thing of the it starts with the relationship it starts with the kids but there can be the pervasive whether people are using the word bullying whether they're using the words not being kind whatever it is that it's really trying to make a school where um, it's hard to say that's non-existent um, because it's hard to control to that level but everything we can do to move toward non-existence of you know just those negative thoughts and behaviors not everything is you know strawberry ice cream okay we have we have bullying we have issues we have issues between groups of kids we have cliques all of those things are all part of a daily existence at a school but making sure that we're aware of them, making sure that kids have a place to come and contact us and talk to us about it, making sure that we take everything seriously. You know, we've done a, a tremendous job. Um, my, my principal's done a great job, K through 12, of really making sure that we're addressing those issues that are happening immediately. And we look at every individual issue. There's nothing small in a school. Yeah. Um, before we, we wrap up for the evening, um, we've said it a million times already, but we are two, three, four weeks out from the beginning of school. So in terms of kind of like nuts and bolts, what can families and students be doing now to be prepared and ready to go when the first bell rings on the first day of school for each of your respective districts or schools? We start in two weeks. Get the magazine out. Get the book out. Read to your kids. I don't care whether they're starting preschool or whether they're going to be a senior. Get some books out. Get some interested. Have some dialogue and conversation because that's really what school is about. Making sure you know how to read. Read comprehensively. Make sure that you start to engage that brain. It's a muscle. It needs to be worked on. Engage your brain for the next two weeks so when you hit the ground running uh, two weeks from tomorrow that your brain is ready to go. I feel like that's good advice for all of us. Uh, start getting as much as possible on a regular schedule, sleeping, eating, everything else so that you're you know, again, can hit that ground running. That's one thing I would say. The second thing is um, go to the San Miguel County um, back to school health fair that's happening on August 16th. And there'll be a lot of details about that, I think, in the planet, probably advertised on Kodo, sent out, and everything else. Perfect. Read to your kids, read with your kids, read in front of your kids just for joy. Um, and then start thinking about those spaces in your house and your routine. Um, homework, a great killer of love of learning, right? Uh, um, and yet, yet a, a, maybe a unnecessary, uh, sorry, not unnecessary, unfortunate reality. Uh, start talking about how the school year will unfold. Start establishing those spaces where kids will do their study. I recommend somewhere public, not somewhere private. Um, start building those habits. And then make sure your tech habits are in check. And if they're not, now is a great time to start unplugging from all the social media um, that is happening over, over the summer and getting back into thinking about school. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could continue this conversation for... Um, many more hours. I feel like we've just scratched the surface on a number of things, but uh, we are nearing the end of our hour. So I would love to hear from each of you, and you kind of already mentioned it, so maybe if you have another one. Um, a first day of school or like first week of school, just joy that you have. Maybe it's a tradition, maybe if it's a ritual, whatever that might be, something that really just uh, gets your happiness going um, in those first few days and then any other finding final closing thoughts you'd like to leave listeners with this evening um 
I think I'll say in terms of when staff come back, recognizing the staff who were selected last year in the various different categories as teacher of the year, classified staff of the year, whatever else, that's a big one for me because it really just shows our pride and, you know, how we take care of each other and all that. With students, it's seeing those first day, first week assemblies and activities where our teachers are building community and developing relationships. I'd say those are really a couple of the biggest things. So I'll highlight that when our faculty come back, one of the first things we do is share a story from the summer. And I am a lover of stories and a believer in story. Uh, so I really look forward to hearing the stories that, that our teachers are coming back with, or our staff is coming back with. And then, as I mentioned, we keep all the students outside of the building until we do a ceremonial let's run in together. Mm -hmm. And I really look forward to that, like open the door and all that all that energy runs into the building, which is beautiful. Nice. I love the sound of the hallways. It just jazzes me. I love the kids. I love hearing the talking. I love hearing kids laugh, whether it's an 18-year-old or whether it's a 5-year-old. It's an addicting sound, and it just gets to my soul. And the other thing is, first day with all staff, I love seeing my staff's faces. I love seeing their faces. I love seeing the power that they have. So... That's for me. Amazing. Um, I'm a childless person, but I'm like listening to all of you. I was like, wow, all of you would be great schools for my non-existent children to go to. <laughs> um, any final closing thoughts that you'd like to leave um, our listeners with this evening? No is an acceptable answer. Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to thank you for bringing us together, Julia. Oh, and just thank my two colleagues yeah. here. Yeah. Well, thank you um, both, or bo both all. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Kodo listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record. Coming up in just one moment is Rock and Rob. He's in the house. Um, and thank you for listening to KOTO Telluride. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh, you're